Welcome back, everyone, to Red Spotlight. I'm your host, Alexis Soto, joined by Peter Martinez. We are recording this podcast here on Red Spotlight, of course, the place that brings you all the latest stuff coming out of the world of movies and more. And yes, that is an airplane flying over me while I'm recording, so perfect freaking timing here. We're recording this podcast on the eve of the Academy of Awards, which, of, of course, is the biggest night as far as this space that we cover and devote so much of our meaningless lives to, it seems like. <laughs> and, of course, because of who is nominated more so than any of the other years, it seems like uh, some of us are far more invested than we otherwise would be. And we're going to get into how we feel things are going to shape up and also maybe some insight into perhaps why things might be that way. And, of course, whatever else strikes our fancy here on Red Spotlight number four. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Our... 430 <laughs> 436 I don't know why I wrote down 346 it is hold on a minute we're... I feel like we've done 436 before e- yeah we're at uh fourth no this is for sure 436 mm. I-, I I wrote down 346 on my paper here but it's actually 436 dyslexic I, I'm not usually, but maybe I have been my whole life, and I'm only just now discovering it. Who knows, you know? Um, oftentimes, when you live under Hispanic uh, households, you're not necessarily um, tested out to see what you have as far as mental disabilities are concerned, unless it's made abundantly obvious. I was nearsighted for practically all of my life. I didn't get glasses until seventh grade. This explains a lot. I think I would throw in a couple of other uh, disorders, but yeah. I mean, I'm not denying that they're not currently uh, a part of who I am, but I think you have noticed that I've, uh, yeah, I have a lot of things that are a part of me that aren't necessarily uh, treated, or I guess maybe even at all acknowledged, but that's how we are here. Anyway, um, listen, so... I want to get into this Oscar stuff, and that's obviously what we're here to discuss here. But I just can't help but take a couple of moments here to relish something. Yes, just real quick. It is... Real quick. I have an orange. Orange ASMR. (laughs) Okay, go. Um, <coughs> how could how can we not? For the first time mm-hmm. in I think maybe ever, we're kind of in a particular fascinating moment where, um, the self-proclaimed king of Disney, Bob Iger, doesn't really know what to do when both of his two uh, right hands are kind of seemingly like coming apart at the seams. Star Wars and Marvel, and I touched on this last week with David. Mm. And you I and I, yeah. yeah, you, yeah, I know him too. You and I have spent such a long time these last few years, kind of, I feel, dissecting what the problems are with both of those franchises. And Disney is a big part of what's wrong with both of those franchises, you know, in, in terms of like what they expect and what they want out of their output, right? Um, but right now is a particularly precarious time. I'm much more interested in the marvel stuff because i want to like you know kick them 
This actually, I was gonna send you something. Yeah, this kind of goes along with it. Let me send it. Of course, yeah. Go ahead and take your time to do that. I wanted to kick them more so because I have been wanting this for a while now. That's the message. By the way, have you heard it? Uh, I've been wanting this for a while. His phone. I I don't know what it is here. So CEO Bob Iger wants to look again at distributing content across all channels, including legacy home entertainment, i.e., physical media. What am I reading here? Which at one point was extremely lucrative at our company as opposed to loss making. St- this is not, th- th- this is, is this real? I, I, I sent it. <laughs> well, I mean, just to be clear here, I know you and I, for those of you listening, we're big fans of physical media here on, at least Peter and I are. This is out of left field. And I think it also suggests streaming perhaps isn't the, you know, the biggest cash cow that people thought it would be. You I, know, Bob, Bob Iger, look, Bob Iger, I, mm-hmm. I, I love the man on, on some level, but you know what? He's made a lot of mistakes and he needs to be called out on it. You know, betting the farm on streaming is a big fucking mistake, number one. Choosing Bob uh, Chapek to succeed him was big numbers mistake, number two, because I think we're only beginning to see the extent to which Chapek just fucking ruined everything, not the least of which includes damning the brand that is animation as far as getting theatrical, you know, availability in theaters. Not, you know, they're not making money anymore. Those animated films and, and the, it's so like a, many a problems to the nineties, right? Almost. There's, there's, yeah. I mean, the idea that Bob Iger, the man that was like, you know what, I'm going to usher in this new era of streaming and that all the studios and distributors followed the idea that he is now just saying, you know what? Maybe we need to look back at of all things, physical media. What? You know why? Because to date, Netflix has yet to be profitable. These streamers, and I know this blows people's minds, they're not profitable. And I don't know if you ever saw it. You probably did. You probably shared it. Um, Matt Damon would talk about home media. On Hot Ones. I think he, he made a Hot yeah, Ones it was appearance. Yeah, on Hot Ones. And he would talk about the way the reason why so many movies were able to get made was because home media was like a second box office. You would make so much. It's a second life for the film. You would make so much more money Mm -hmm. through the physical media release. I even discussed this recently. I went into into a whole like, I think it was a good 10 minutes on a recent podcast I did. And I discussed how even in TV shows like Family Guy and Futurama were revived because of the sales on physical media. And I think what's happening is, especially as these so much money has been poured into these streaming services and they're starting to realize we're not getting returns. We're just losing. They're they're thinking like, well, why did we leave behind physical media? We you, we used to get a whole second kick of yeah. box off, like a whole second kick of money back when we would le- release it physically. It almost it, could be considered an encore uh, run, basically. Yeah, it's an encore uh, box office run, basically. And I think um, it, it'll probably take some time. You might see an attempt of a revival of that. And it, it it's you have to see how it goes, right? <laughs> but I, I really don't think streamers are the future the way people thought. It, it Honestly, it could be that we look back on this whole like streaming culture, this like 10, 20, 15 year 
time of as like, a fad you mean yeah oh my god wouldn't that be interesting you know, you know what i have to say we haven't discussed that this topic in a while be here mm-hmm. but and mostly because it's been depressing but you know I don't think that's uh, a negative thing. And quite frankly, I it makes me feel somewhat at ease a little bit that, you know, because, you know, it, when COVID first hit and there were a lot of good reasons to why we were all panicking was, you know, theatricality not being, a, you know, as lucrative or as marketable, obviously in a, in a pandemic time. But there have been a lot of really negative aspects to everything going streaming not the least of which include particularly on the on, from the perspective of creators and filmmakers and writers and directors who make these you know, whether it be a sitcom or a drama if you don't get those hits those clicks on the first few days or the first few weeks you're done and move on to the next thing if you get a next project and then that doesn't even get into Zaslav or what is being called as the axe of Zaslav where he's just like deleting things off Mm -hmm. of the face of the earth and which has seemingly Netflix is also following in suit and in tone um so there's just a lot of disturbing um, aspects that have emerged because of streaming and the idea that it is not being as profitable and perhaps in the future, if we look back on this as a fad, I don't find that objectionable at all. It might actually be a welcome sigh of relief because there are some things, the directions in which we're heading as far as this yeah. business is concerned that is freaking the fuck out of me out. It kind of feels like streaming is, is built on a house of cards. Mm-hmm. And like they're kind of starting to, to fall, fall a little bit. Not the and, and and I think what I feel like perhaps one of the biggest um one of the biggest examples of this that you can point to is that not just streaming is like a house of cards beginning to fall, but you kind of get the impression so is Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're losing they, it. That's amazing to see. I love Disney. I will always love Disney for the stories mm-hmm. that they have contributed throughout, you know, all of our lives. But the 2010s was a perhaps the biggest they might ever be. And the success of which they saw, I think they released like, what, $5 billion grossing films respectively in 2019. That perhaps was the the peak of their powers it was insane and you know not for nothing still i mean they're still the biggest name in town in terms of like certain for sure you know they're they're not necessarily on the you know at the bottom of the pecking order but they're beginning to trip over themselves in ways we didn't think would happen this quickly Mm -hmm. i mean the obvious one is like star wars yeah but that's been going on for a while Mm -hmm. to the point where they don't even release films anymore um and the shows save one i think are pretty disappointing like i don't know if it's just me maybe you have to wait for like the nelson ratings or whatever the fuck they're called but i feel like this season of the mandalorian two episodes in people are i'm not as like it's not it it doesn't feel as much as an event right full cards on the table again for those who are not aware Mm -hmm. we do not like the mandalorian however we can't of course deny Oh, it's, it's the popularity. Hit. Yeah, oh my god. And, yeah. and its cultural significance. Mm-hmm. And with that comes the it streaming girl. It's the it girl, basically. It was at one point, because it was the first big streaming show on Disney Plus. It debuted with The Mandalorian. It kind of like caught 
this win where it united Star Wars fans. Personally, I don't put that much stock in uniting Star Wars fans for whatever that's worth, but people do. So there was that. But except, of course, it didn't unite us because we, well, it united us in it, in our hatred for it, basically. Uh, we don't like that show here on Red Spotlight. But what is different now is we're two episodes into this brand new season and no one's talking about it. And I think a lot of people don't even know that it's there. And I asked David this question last week. What? Because we, it was apparent from the first episode and now even more so in the second episode. It is not people's attention are not gravitated toward that show any longer. Once, you could say it was a fluke, but two weeks in a row, considering the kind of like fanfare this show is used to attracting, there's a problem, and I was trying to figure out, well, what's behind all of this? Was the marketing uh, off-putting people because they brought back Grogu, and if you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, perhaps you'd be like, what the fuck? I thought this character was written off, and was it perhaps that the second season already like wrote a like an emotional high of a finale maybe it's been gone too long is it the andor factor which hilariously enough a lot of like trades have been you know running headlines with is mandalorian just not good anymore because of how great andor was even though most people didn't watch andor yeah when no it was, one saw like, andor <laughs> So it's funny to see how the media now is treating it as this big success when, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of fans are kind of ambivalent toward it, it looks like. So there's a lot of factors that are going on here that I quite am not sure what's really the one thing that's driving this. But I am sure that I'm happy and I'm here for that because I think John Favreau, of all people, he needs to be taken down a peg. And I think if, if, if anything else... Andor, the idea that Andor perhaps is exposing how empty and vapid and surface level John Favreau's writing is, or that that whole show, quite frankly, is. I'm here for that. I don't know how, what your thoughts are to this whole situation. Honestly, I think that's the the thing that's kind of hurt because I don't think people are angry about this season, right? Like when it comes to the Mandalorian, I don't think people are like, I don't think there's any one issue. I just think it's such a empty show, and it's finally caught up with it. Right. Yeah. Because I'll see like week to week, you know, the way people talk about Andor, but even like at the same time, the way people will discuss and talk about The Last of Us and stuff like that. And, and they'll talk about the performances and mm -hmm. this. And oh David God, actually this brought so this written. point up last week. With like, there mm -hmm. were a lot of this last year. There were a lot of great streaming shows, whether it be Peacemaker yeah. or Stranger Things or the or um, House of the Dragon and or and now The Last of Us. A lot of like big shows that are that attract a lot of attention. Yeah, and I haven't seen the two episodes, but I'll look at like, like okay, well, what are people talking about? And it's like, oh my god, the dark saber. <laughs> and it's like, it's you've, just already, a, you've already whipped yeah. that thing out. Like it, it's not gonna keep war. It's not gonna keep working, right? And it's like, oh my god, uh, member berries. Uh, what's her name? Satan Bak. Katie Sackoff, Bo Katan. Bo Katan. And it's like, oh my gosh, uh. Grogu was really cute in this scene. And I'm sure he was, right? But you need some meat on those bones. I'm sorry. <laughs> like that I I honestly think it's just like oh, this just doesn't cut it anymore, you know? I honestly that's what I think it is. Cuz I'm I'm sure it's still getting great rating, but I it just feels like an overall like calming of of, of whatever it is. But I mean it we're only two episodes in. I don't but I, I also have to think like, yeah, Andor being pre the show that preceded this is not a great comparison. It's not. But yeah. I do wonder 
because other others have pointed this out. Do you think the overall reactions or reception, more specifically, to the last year's Star Wars shows, not named Andor, like Obi Wan or Book of Boba Fett, did some damage to oh, yeah, Star sure. Wars streaming? For sure. Because again, remember, <laughs> are you okay? I was one of the yeah, I was one of those people that was like. Like, I don't really like um, the Book of Boba Fett, but it's literally no different than The Mandalorian, especially season two. So I don't get yeah people's issues. And it was one of those things where but people like, were oh. getting angry, though. And I think it really highlighted the and I think it's just kind of both consciously and subconsciously highlighted issues with that kind of Star Wars. And then Andor came in. And was a real gut punch of like, oh, like it can be better. <laughs> you know, you, you can actually tell an interesting story at the same time of showing me, you know, stuff I've seen before. And I think, honestly, that's the same thing that's happening to Marvel. Where it's like, people are like, well, I don't like this. And then me and you are like, it's practically no different from those other movies before that, mm-hmm. were, were, that were hitting billion dollar marks. Yeah. And then, of course, there's other blockbusters that come in and go like, oh, it can be better. And so now they're hurting, too. Yeah. So I think it's sort of that one, two, even three punch that's affecting really Disney as a whole. Because I would even look at the animation sector. Mm -hmm. Because you look at this year, we had amazing blockbusters. And and even, um, I mean, last year, but even this year, like Scream made a lot of money. This uh we is is Scream a lot of money and weekend. Creed Creed three is making Megan. A lot of money. Megan, uh, all these other movies that used to just, I was like, yeah, like they're kind of fucked because of the Marvel. way movies are going. Yeah, are making more money again. And then you look at like uh, uh, the Tom Cruise movie, uh, what do Top you call Gun it? and Avatar. You, I, you, I think we we kind of maybe had mentioned this earlier before, but I feel like what you're getting at is that perhaps. Out of nowhere, Top Gun and Avatar The Way of Water maybe kind of did a cultural reset? I think, like I said, it's that one, two, three punch of these things just aren't the same. They're not, they're, I think people are kind of, it's kind of exposing, they're slightly worse, but they're not different enough. But they are different enough to people where it kind of exposes the vapidness of what they've mm-hmm. been watching. And then they see other uh, movies that give a shit and actually try with the stuff that they're doing. And so they're like, oh, like, well, I'll just watch this. It's that slow sort of cultural shift thing going on. Mm-hmm. No, it's really uh, the culmination of a lot of uh, things happening all at once. And, you know, color me surprised that we're actually here at this moment. But you know what? I just think, look, you and I are of the mind that this has been a long time coming. This is a reckoning. This is what happens when at every level you just refuse to change. And I think it's almost the same story again and again. And I I don't know. I just like, hey, I, I just feel like saying I told you so to all those people that, you know, just kept insisting how great the Marvel stuff, how great the Star Wars stuff was. Um it's it's uh it's 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 just quite fascinating, honestly. It's the same story happening all across all their different sectors. And I I'm I'm wondering like if maybe Iger is regretting coming back because things are just exponentially getting worse. If I'll put it this way, um, 
if he was someone that cared about his legacy, I wouldn't have come back. <laughs> but I because would say I, that people think, were arguing he uh, cared about his legacy. That's why he came back because he felt that the sex the successor he picked, yeah. But see, that's not true though because I don't think the the one he would he would be remembered as the golden boy, right? Mm-hmm. And once it went downhill, whoever was in charge, they would be remembered as the one who ended the dark or who started the dark times. But he would always be remembered as the golden boy. If he comes back and he can't turn it around, which I don't think he's going to be able to turn it around, right? Because it's one of those things where, like with Marvel, I don't think it's not like they're going to ever stop making movies or stop being successful, but it's you're never going to reach those heights of um, that that phase two, phase three um, lead up type stuff. As, especially starting with the first Avengers. It's just not going to happen. Mm-mm. You're not going to reach the heights of everyone being excited for a new sequel trilogy for Star Wars. You know, um, I mean, maybe you can go back with like animation. I, can you reach the heights of when Frozen first came out and stuff like that? I mean, there's still great stuff I think that comes out for animation wise, but or and and yeah, like you're you're out of live action remakes. I you're not gonna hit uh, Lion King numbers. I hope you're right because tomorrow they are gonna drop that Little Mermaid trailer and we'll see how it does. But you know what I am hopeful for? I'm thinking. Maybe there's a chance this doesn't make a billion dollars because it seems to be pretty unanimous that whatever images that have already been released of that movie have looked awful. It's it's different now because, I mean, Wakanda Forever didn't make a billion. I thought that would make a billion. You'd think it would, easily. Captain Marvel made a billion. Yeah. The sequel to Black Panther didn't. Uh, Ant Man made Ant Man Quantumania made less than the original Ant Man is going to make less than the going original Ant Man yeah. movie. That is awful. That's I mean, bad. honestly, that's devastating on so many levels. Not just because it's the third movie in you know the Ant Man films, and they didn't they didn't ever make that much money to begin with. But I think what is makes it so much more of like a a. a I would even say kind of a punch in the balls to Kevin Feige, honestly, if we're going to picture it in our minds, is this wasn't really sold as an Ant-Man movie. This was sold as an MCU film with the next big Thanos, your Kang. This was a Kang film, really, at the end of the day. This is how it was sold. And for it to be one of the least grossing films in the history of over 30 movies that the MCU has done, that is devastating. Yeah. Shocking too. This was supposed to be remembered. They're a, a, an Avengers level movie, as it was called. Um, yeah. And again, especially with Marvel, I'm gonna be honest. I don't see that shit being turned around. Well, he now we're gonna disassociate the Marvel from the rest of the stuff because the other stuff is there are other reasons for what what's happening with those individual. You know, properties with Marvel and I had some other things I wanted to say about Marvel because that's kind of I don't see how. And it also I don't I don't because of how they have been and the mess that they found themselves in and with all of the stuff that has already been announced and is in, you know, development and in some stage of production. 
something is going to have to give because the talking point that, you know, is being, you know, disseminated through the trades is that going forward, they're going to be much more particular with what gets uh, greenlit with who or what characters get, you know, movies or shows. And then also the overall output is going to be diminished. And I feel like at some point it's going to be, you know, confirmed that they're only going to stick to two movies and two shows a year going forward. But with all of the stuff that has already been said is going to be made, there's al- there's already been rumors of like Secret Wars being delayed or pushed back because, wait a minute, if you stick to that premise of two movies and two shows a year, with all of the stuff that you already have up in the air, you're not going to make that date. No. Unless you start canceling some projects before they're even made. They should. I mean, <laughs> there's so much shit where it's just like, this doesn't need to happen. This doesn't need to be made. And we've talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they should have never greenlit uh, a, a Coven of Chaos. If that, That's not even the title anymore, is it? Uh, no, it is. I think, I think it is now. Well, I think it was before it was House of Harkness. Isn't it? Or now it's Coven of Chaos? Oh, it, it, yeah. It, it doesn't matter <laughs> at the end of the day. Oh, that's right. Who cares? <laughs> but, like, why why would you greenlight an Echo show? Yeah. It, why an Echo show? Like, who apparently, from what I've heard, is only there to set up Daredevil. But why? why? <laughs> she wasn't even, like, a standout character to me in and hawkeye like she was cool if you're mm-hmm. telling me like hey we're gonna bring her back in a big way for the daredevil show i'd be like oh that's awesome but give her a whole fucking show and and, and yeah they have so many things on the board and and the reason i think okay like they're not gonna reach the previous heights honestly the only thing that could maybe do it is the x-men when they right. eventually get around to it mm-hmm. because the x-men are just so fucking beloved people love the x-men yeah like they love the x-men but they're really shooting their nostalgia wall like they're gonna have nothing left in the tank after secret wars right like yeah after that that's well, just well you were you and i were saying this the day that was announced back at comic-con last year yeah after that you kind of have to actually make interesting film yeah <laughs> you can't just be like what this is a character from your childhood um no i i personally think i I don't know it it feels it comes across anyway kevin feige might be a little bit rattled and even if he's not i don't know what it'll take but here's the thing the next few films guardians 3 notwithstanding i don't think are going to fare much better than ant-man because of where we've been. And we've gone at length. Go look at our previous... I did a couple of episodes with Alexis and David. They're, they're, we go into the full context for why the MCU is where it is. And you and I, Peter, have discussed it for years. But looking forward as to like what is next and what is... like Even the announcements that have been made this week, I think is only indicative of like their absolute refusal to change their formula or do anything different. Because I think it's fair to say, Peter... Um, particularly because right now they're about to start shooting the uh, Daredevil Born Again, Born Again series. And uh, there's been a lot of hullabaloo this past week with casting choices. And I have to say, my initial impression is he chose violence. 
he chose violence because of well who's included and who's not and this this actually kind of brings us into a place where if i recall correctly you and i were of the mind that when it comes to daredevil and this new iteration of it as well as any other let's say characters and properties that he decides to utilize from Marvel television, you know, shield or the defenders or all those things. You and I were of the mind that if he were to do that, bring those characters into the fold, he would not do anything to outright contradict, erase, or, you know, alter that, which, you know, we, that's like, let's say for whatever characters you want to say, like, for example, this week it was announced that for, there was no reason, but for this new iteration of Daredevil, they're not going to use the characters Karen Page or Foggy Nelson, which that in and of itself is a big red flag, but they're not going to use those characters at all. And you could still say, well, at least they're not going to recast those, but maybe they might now because that was never outright said that they wouldn't recast those characters. And what also came to light was, okay, John Bernthal's Punisher was confirmed to be coming back, but, you know, Foggy and Nelson are not coming back, but... They're going to use the Vanessa character, but it's not going to be the same actress as was in the show. And I I don't know what we thought was going to happen. It kind of felt like it was inevitable, but I don't know if the people like Feige were well aware of how this is going to come across. But this seems overall like it's going to be every bit the disaster we thought it would be. And not not for the reasons that you think, for those of you listening, I don't think, oh, because they're not using this character, or I mean, they're not using this actor, it means it's going to be bad. No, you idiots. (laughs) Look at what matters most. Creative direction, writing, (laughs) um, and then overall, you know, the history of who these people are, the, the people that are making this show. I, I just, I, I never understood, and I think maybe fans are beginning to catch on now, as you've been saying now, with Star Wars and with Marvel. It's like they don't, they, they get so distracted with the, you know, the big show of it all that they can't bring themselves to think critically. Wait a minute, but it's not going to at all feature the main reasons for why I love, let's just say, Daredevil in the first place. You're not yeah. going to have... Karen Page or Foggy Nelson in your Daredevil show? But see, that's the thing. That's part of what's kind of I've noticed. If if, if anything that's made Marvel films worse, it's their complete abandonment of non-powered characters, right? Mm-hmm. The human aspect. The the yeah, the very literal human aspect of what makes these films and these character larger than life characters interesting if everyone on screen is larger than life then no one is and um what really helps sell these characters is their relationships to everyday normal people and again if you go and look at the earlier mcu films you really got a lot of that and that really made you fall in love with these larger than life characters but now they don't do that everything is just a team up to the biggest thing in the world and they're losing sight of that that human aspect and yeah it didn't surprise me that they're bringing back all the powered characters 
But it's like, oh, but what about the human characters that make these relationships and these stories work? What about them, you know? <laughs> I mean, Vanessa will be there. It'll be a different Vanessa. And that's I think so, that, that's that, also such a weird choice. Like, right. What, just get the same actress. And for same, for I saw some people that were saying, well, perhaps she wasn't available. Okay, let's say that's the case. Well, what about Electra? What about those rumors that Electra mm-hmm. is going to be recast? Then it's not so much a, an availability issue; it's a creative uh, direction. I don't understand this at this point, honestly. Like, if you're, for me, I'm I'm of the mind. Well, either do it all or don't do it at all. And as far as casting with this show, this is just the issue that Marvel is like. They're just like wishy washy. They're and I I don't understand what Kevin thinks is going to happen, right? Like, I don't like the the reaction. That and the anchor, quite frankly, that we saw already on social media is not going to get any better. I think when, especially as you said, when the show comes out and inevitably it is nowhere near the quality that the the Netflix show was. That's going to cause issues, right? Because that's the thing. You don't want to, so far, Marvel has been lucky to not have to one-to-one compare previous outings. They've kind of dipped their toe into that with like Spider-Man. Um, but they're going to do that in a big way here, right? Because this is literally the same quote-unquote characters, actors, the same thing, except now it's MCU. So, it invites a lot of, like, direct comparisons. Especially now that it's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that you kind of, I'm not going to lie, I I wouldn't want, right? (laughs) Why would I want to directly compare... It's almost like if you made a sequel to uh, Citizen Kane. <laughs> it's like you want those comparisons or a, or a remake, continuation, whatever. Like, ugh. Like, no one wants that. It's going to be very hard to make people happy, I think. Yeah, it also doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how are you not going to have those human elements, especially since this is going to be longer than any previous season of Daredevil was on TV? But that's what it feels like. I feel like they're trying to... they. Whenever they're lacking in that way, they try to over similar to Star Wars, overcompensate with, oh, look at this other character that looks cool and you remember and they're going to do cool things on screen. And also, I mean, other rumors that we've heard, and I don't know how much credence there is, although it's not coming from one source and it's rumors that I heard from almost a year ago at this point, but the idea that Shang-Chi 2 is going to be a time travel movie with this whole, like, what is being billed as an Asian superhero team up uh, with apparently Quake being involved some way, somehow. A lot of those things that I just had to kind of roll my eyes, quite frankly. But, I mean, I guess the one thing that makes me feel those are true, well, that's well, that's what you just said. They're just making everything a team up. Why wouldn't you make the Avengers movie that? <laughs> That's the most, like, wouldn't that be, like, the most perfect thing? It's like, a lot of easy mistakes, too. Like, why? also, that movie is supposed to feature Kang. Why are you having that character out too many times? Also, why did you also have him in Ant-Man and lose to Ant-Man? These are not things that are helping out in your corner. But I feel like what connects all of this to all, all the problems that are happening with Marvel, whether it be Marvels and and Captain America having issues with production, whether it be with, you know, Kang being overexposed, 
it's the writing. And one of the things that's uniting all of the, these issues, Peter, is it seems now that uh, fans are catching on and are kind of like begging Kevin Feige, like, dude, all the people you're hiring to write your projects are the wrong people and the worst people. Well, because, again, everything changed when he went from hiring really talented people where I'm like, oh, wow, like, yeah, they could really fit here. This project really suits them. I can, I, they can make it fit here. Like hiring Kevin Brana for uh, Thor. Like a Thor movie or, or uh, Joe Johnston for Captain America movie. And yeah, even John Favreau, he was actually a well-established director mm-hmm. at that point for Iron Man. And even an inspired choice with, uh, what's his James name? James Gunn. Well, not, I was actually going to say, uh, what's his name? For Joss Whedon. Joss, Joss Whedon. Whedon, yeah. Yeah, because again, he's actually, he'd already direct, he directed um, Firefly. He had his whole show. Joss Whedon is a great filmmaker. He's a great writer. Yeah, he had all that shit under his belt, yeah. right? But then somewhere between, with deep within phase two, he started this whole thing of. Post Edgar Wright drama. Yeah, let me hire nobodies so I can just, they they can just be pseudo, I can pseudo direct everything, mm-hmm. basically. And I guess maybe the, 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 it worked out for him in terms it of like. once. With who? With the community the directors? Yeah, yeah. The community directors. They were, they were just known for directing episodes yeah. of community. And then uh, it worked out really nice. And honestly, I don't even know what's there because for me. These last few years, it kind of feels like a an emperor has no clothes because all the films the Russos have made post MCU have been awful. They've been terrible, yeah. honestly. They've been awful movies. And so, what what was it if it wasn't them that made those films work? And if it wasn't Feige. Was it was it Marcus and McFeely or what? What happened with those with those movies that it they worked somehow? Like it was a combination that just kind of worked, right? Because. For one, and I've always argued this, their their movies are ugly. <laughs> yeah, it only looked okay in with like, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier it made some sense with the character, well, the the, right. the arc, I guess, in that movie. Yeah, and they can make um good action, right, or or pretty good action. I mean, I I I I know I love the Winter Soldier. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's solidly in my top five. I yeah. but the action is amazing in the Winter Soldier. Yeah, it is genuinely amazing. Um, but I, go ahead. So I think it's it's some that that weird combination of Kevin Feige's oversight with the the writer those specific writers mm-hmm. intertwined with their know how when it comes to. So you're saying basically like they, of, they, they kind of like filled each other's weaknesses. Yes. Now there were still gaps that were never filled. Like I sure. said, looks ugly, mm-hmm. but, but it was enough to where once you throw in that MCU curve, oof, it's golden, mm-hmm. right? Cause I can look at like, I'll put it this way. If civil war wasn't a superhero movie, would I love it as much? Also, it's because like you know, they they were TV writers, right? They they worked in TV primarily. They're episodic writers, and I think that's what they yeah. were, right? Ultimately, Endgame is a TV series finale, it, which yeah. is why it's so good, you know, in parts, particularly the finale. Yeah, and they work especially once you get into like Infinity War and Civil War mm-hmm. and um, Endgame. Yeah. yeah, it like it it really leans into the TV stuff. 
and all that it just it makes me just like question like okay like how did they make particularly in my view winter soldier so good when all their post mcu stuff is just like wow like i mean if you haven't seen cherry that is one of the most unwatchable movies i've ever seen in my life i think i called cherry the worst movie of 2021 and i didn't even bother watching the gray man because it just it hurt my heart too much the idea that you could have chris evans and ryan gosling in a movie and then that just be crap so i just kind of stick away from the russos now um but you know what you know what i think it is too i think at this moment i don't think he realized maybe he is high on his whole own supply right kevin yeah but i really think like he's like yeah i'll just find another couple russos right and in I think he's like, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing. But I don't think he realized he got really lucky the first time with the combination of people he chose and and directors. And I think he thought like, oh, I have a talent for choosing these people. You don't. (laughs) Not anymore, at least. You got lucky. I'm talking about like that because that he got lucky because that was the only real pick. Except that maybe worked out. James Gunn. Yeah. No, but James Gunn had like a good smaller movies, but he was like a a, a known director. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he kind of, you know, Scott Derrickson for the first. But it, it just got to the point where he's not even he wasn't. It's like, I want people that just finish their first home movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Like he started looking for those people. Just you will never have any idea who they are. And then the same thing with the with the writers. He really felt, I don't know, I really think it went to his head, like, yeah, like, I know best for all this, I'm gonna have everything covered, I'm not gonna hire super talented people, I'm just gonna hire the people that can hold the camera and write exactly what I want them to And won't to write. fight me. And they won't fight me, they'll just do it, because they're lucky to have this job. And, yeah, this is how you get fucked over, because, again, he tried to do that with Phase 4, because he he literally picked the only semi-successful uh uh what do you call it projects from phase four which was loki and um wandavision and shang chi these are the people he went to to go like okay you're gonna write infinity war or not infinity war um secret wars and you're gonna direct it and then you are also going to, uh, whoever was the one who directed Chang-Chi, you're going to direct Avengers Kong Dynasty. He didn't, you could tell, he's just like, okay, well, of, of, of all the newbies I just threw at the wall, which are the ones that stuck the best? These guys? Okay, you're going to take the big stuff. And again, that worked. Because with- he got lucky. Yeah, he got lucky the first time. Yeah, there really wasn't all that. And I think this conversation we're just having right now really flies in the face of 10 years of people claiming Kevin Feige was this untouchable god and that the success of the MCU is because he was a mastermind that had this plotted out a decade before it even hit off the ground. What a bunch of bullshit that was. But th- those same people still aren't criticizing him. No, they. they, they <laughs> it's insane. They refuse. It, it, it's 
It can't possibly be his fault, right? No, yeah, no, that's, that's no. the mentality they take and everything. It was um, Chapik. He, he, he somehow. Was like, it was oh. the Rick and Morty writers. That was the Who problem. Hired them, right? Right. <laughs> Who fucking hired these people? Who put them on Avengers? And and that's the thing. Yeah, hired these small time TV writers again with like hire a fucking really well um what do you call it career-wise screenwriter someone who really knows what the fuck they're doing i don't know i thought it was particularly shocking of all people in the entertainment business for kevin F- i mean I'm, I'm sorry for bob Iger to say this this is pack past week that perhaps there are some characters in marvel that no don't need sequels Throwing shade very clearly at Ant-Man and the disappointment in Ant-Man. And the idea that Bob Iger, the king of sequels, to say, you know what? Maybe we don't need sequels. It's like, what? The guy just like literally greenlit Toy Story 5. And him, he's just like saying at Marvel, you know what? Maybe you don't need <laughs> sequels for all your characters. That's bad. Yeah. That's bad. That's awful. Um, And we'll see how... um. Secret Invasion turns out that I should also say, people, if you're not not aware of, that was a show that was delayed because they didn't like it after they shot it and they hired people to rewrite it and reshoot it again. It seems like that's the story for everything they put out nowadays. Which is why Marvel's is being delayed, which is why Captain America, we're having issues with that movie. So it's, but it's the story of all of the projects. If all Every of your productions are having these same issues, hey... Maybe the problem is you. Yeah. And before people were like, well, come on now. Like, don't don't act like that. All movies go through reshoots. Not like this. <laughs> Not when you have to rewrite the whole thing after it's in the can. Yeah. Did that happen to Guardians 3? No. Nope. That script was locked and loaded. I heard a peep of like, Guardians 3. There was no issues there. <laughs> like a perfect shoot. It was complete. The script was completely finished well before filming. They filmed it. Maybe they did a couple of pickup reshoots uh, like a few months later, and that was it. They had their movie on the on the page before mm-hmm. they ever stepped in front of a camera. And that just doesn't happen with anything else. And th- again, that's why, you know, I don't care what every, anyone says or feels about James Gunn. At the very least, I feel like you would have to uh, say or admit that the mentality that he wants to bring to it of, we are not going to green light a film until we got that script mm-hmm. done, pitch perfect. We're not doing anything until that's done. That's beautiful. While also maintaining a sense, uh, while also maintaining that they're very much open to the creatives being involved yes. in the direction of the indiv- individual films and that they should feel tonally different while existing in the same kind of tapestry. That's key. That's something that, you know, I, I, at one point, we thought Marvel used to have, but now they no longer wish to have that. Maybe they never actually did in the first place. But I think what you just said there is kind of like the other element in here, which is so much, maybe perhaps why or what contributed 
to Marvel being so high and mighty in, in, in the previous decade, the 2010s, was because they didn't have a competitor. Their only competitor was DC, and they were failing spectacularly for years and years and years, and it just created this vacuum. But now, with DC being led by a man with the sensibilities that you just said, or just spoke to, now they have a worthy challenger. Now they have a competitor. And if they're now, even before James Gunn's first official movie, they've already released films of the quality or the caliber like the Batman and the Suicide Squad. And that's the guy that's going to be heading off the next 10 years of DC movies. Ooh. Yeah, that's bad for them. This is it's just all kinds of bad for Marvel. And apparently the Flash, the greatest film ever made. <laughs> I'm curious to see how good it is. I'm very curious to see. All the claims of like... James Gunn says he loves it. Yeah. Which, by the way, it was confirmed this past week. Uh, I mean, through the back channels, obviously, but or I guess through accidents, <laughs> that he is uh, directing the Superman Legacy movie. I think that was always obvious. Yeah. I think they're waiting... If he's writing it, how is he not directing it, is my view. I think they're waiting to have like this whole thing of like... I don't know where or how, but like official announcements of like... Comic-Con would be the place you think, right? This is the cast, and this is who's directing it, mm -hmm. and also this is who's going to direct the Batman, and like, 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 give some, like, concrete stuff, I think. I have to think that DC's gonna going, going to have some things to show. I have to, it, haven't been, it hasn't been announced, maybe we're too far away from it, but, like, it's only around the corner. I have to think they're going to have some big things to say this year. If they go to Comic-Con, I think that's where you're going to get stuff like that mm -hmm. so that's where we're at right now with um the mass entertainment um situation so we'll but you know real quick before we move off are you surprised that it looks like kevin feige is not going to recast certain characters no with electra and with vanessa um so i guess that means or He's not really going after the fan favorites and then everyone mm -hmm. else falls I, by the wayside but it sucks because it's like Again, there's a reason there was an uproar over Foggy and Karen. It's because those are great actors and they were great roles and they yeah. filled them perfectly, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, again, it, it's sort of this like surface level interpretation of what makes something good, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, well, everyone loved Daredevil. I'll just grab, um, What's his name? And he'll play Daredevil again. It's like John okay. Bernthal. I mean, or Matt Murdock or Matt Murdock. <laughs> Charlie yeah. Cox. Charlie Cox. <laughs> so many names. And it's like, yeah, Charlie Cox is great, and and he's great in the role, and he is a big part of why people like Daredevil. But there, the there's a lot of real other elements that made that possible, that made it such a good show. And Karen and Foggy were a big part of it with those specific actors. And honestly, there's just no reason to recast i think that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing to me it's like the easiest thing in the world believe me they're not gonna come with high paychecks right and yeah there's no reason to recast and it just it makes it look kind of scummy of him to like hey you're why? not invited back to this yeah like can you imagine right now how um they feel karen and foggy the actors <sighs> that sucks i feel bad for karen page because i know she really wanted to come back and she should. She's great. Oh my god. Anywho, um, as far as Star Wars is concerned, I don't. 
I don't know where that is going to go off in the future. I guess David is a David Lindelof is going to have a movie going to be announced pretty soon in the next few weeks. Is that is that the name I, I, I'm hearing? I'm hearing that Lindelof is working on a Star Wars film. And that's the next theatrical one. I would. I'm going to assume that's what it is, especially because he already announced that Kevin Feige's movie, which I don't think was ever happening, and uh, what's her name, Patty Jenkins. That those movies are canceled. Basically, you know what I think? I, I, I this is funny to me, but if I were to guess, I think. Chapek, um forced that uh, Kevin Feige Star Wars movie onto uh, Kathleen Kevin? Kennedy. Oh, I see. Because he's like, uh, Marvel is knocking it out of the park. Let me see if he can come in. And, and Are you sure that didn't predate Chapek? Because Chapek was only maybe for it was two Bob years. Iger. Maybe yeah. it was Bob Iger. Either way, I think that's what happened. Whoever was in charge mm-hmm. was like, this guy's knocking it out of the park with Marvel. Let's give Why him not just do Star Wars? At the same time, you're Star making him like double his output mm-hmm. with making TV shows, which I'm still saying you should have kept Marvel TV, just put different people on it and let that wing do the TV shows. Why? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just like screaming here. Why is no one pointing it out that Feige should have just had a whole different division to do TV shows? Yeah. Not like double his time and then to do a Star Wars film. But what you're saying is, well, if, yeah, if, if Iger put that movie on Feige, is it now not Iger himself that's saying, mm, Why don't yoink? Think, I don't think he put it on Feige. I think Feige was happy to do it. I think mm. he put it on Kathleen. Mm-hmm. And then I think now that he came back and his whole thing is like, oh, he's kind of changing things up and, and letting these people kind of make their own decisions, these heads of these departments a little bit. I think one of the first things Kathleen was like, okay, if you're letting us choose, get this shit out of here, right? <laughs> like, like I, I'm in charge. And yeah, I think they're going to go with the, 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 the David Lindelof Star Wars, whatever that is. I don't know what that is, yeah. From what I've heard, it takes place after the rise of Skywalker. And it might even include um, Daisy Ridley, but like, I don't. It still think... feels too soon for that. But that's the thing. I don't think she would be the main character. Like, it wouldn't be in Episode Ten. It would be its own thing that just mm-hmm. so happens to take. I guess somewhat similar to the Mandalorian, right? Because mm-hmm. you know how Luke shows up and stuff like that. Maybe they're trying to do something similar, but like through film. Um, I just feel like the the obvious answer is to, in the film side, do something completely removed from what you're doing on TV, which is on TV with Favreau's approach. All you're doing is trying to copycat what Marvel is, and it already isn't working out to the thought that the, to the extent you thought it would be. So, but if you want a fan favorite, it just feels like Night to the Old Republic has the name. It has the the fans of it it's so removed it's it's before any of the films why not just do that that just seems like an easy thing to do i i'm gonna tell you first what i would want and i would hate that so i would not want that what not to the uh, old republic yeah because i don't i don't, I don't really but know two, too much of it i'm it, just saying it's this. just annoying okay um, <laughs> but but two you're right that's the easy move to like knock I, to me that's a layup Mm-hmm. because especially if i was in kathleen's kennedy i would probably pull that trigger like people love knights of the old republic it's new to audiences 
but fans are crazy about it and it and it puts us in an era where we could do whatever the fuck we want from a business perspective i it's kind of a layup but from a me perspective fuck that i don't want that mm-hmm. um honestly depending on what it is i could be interested in like a post uh what do you call it uh episode Manor? 9 episode 9 film a story that takes place post episode 9 that is not connected to those characters but they maybe show up in them mm-hmm. something like that that could be interesting right cuz i'd have to imagine it's not going to be stormtroopers and fuck dude if i see stormtroopers <laughs> Like, <laughs> I know I'm done. Or, or Tatooine, basically. Or, or Tatooine. Or, or I, like. they are. I know that there have been discussions. And I think they're seriously pursuing more seasons of Obi Wan. Why not just do the next season of Obi Wan as a movie? The first one should have been a movie. It should have. That's been. another thing. Yeah. I really feel like they're fucking up things that should be movies and things mm-hmm. that should be TV shows. Right. Yeah. Even at Marvel too. No. Yeah. I, because what's it called? Um, Hawkeye could have been a really awesome. Uh, under hundred million dollar little MCU film, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like you need those human films where not the whole world is an ending, where we can just connect with these characters. That would have yeah. been perfect mm-hmm. because there was not enough meat on your, those bones for like six episodes. But it could have been a nice, you know, ninety minute MCU film, especially around Christmas. Knock mm-hmm. it out of the park. I still think the idea of Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo is worth pursuing as a TV. That series. should have been a. That shouldn't have been a movie. That should have been a TV show, mm-hmm. right? That would have been great. But I think with the success of Obi Wan, Ewan McGregor as that character still sells. That also seems that like a layup too. A movie. Well, I mean, it, the thing is, I don't think we need more Obi Wan, but. They're already pursuing more stories with Obi-Wan. And I, mean, I think they have a story with Qui-Gon. And if they're yeah. going to do that anyway, just do a movie. You know what I would do? I would go back to the Clone Wars and, mm. do, and do a movie. Oh, my but God. Not, not with Obi-Wan, not with Anakin, not with Yoda, not with any characters that you know. Mm-hmm. It's just have it be set during that time. Have yeah. it be about like a certain Jedi on a mission, right? Sure. And it's just that time period. And, and I still you, say, I know you're not going in this direction. Uh-huh. I still say, uh, I am surprised that there is nothing at all in development with Asajj Ventress. <laughs> and I'm still surprised that while we have the almost the entirety of the Clone Wars in the animated form, the one thing we don't have is resolution to her character. Even though she dies, technically speaking, in the novel, Dark Disciple, it was based off eight episodes of The Clone Wars, written by Katie Lucas originally. I'm surprised there's just no appetite to animate those those um, those um episodes. I mean, I get it. I agree. But I don't, because you're the only Asajj Ventress super fan in the world. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I, 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 I'm going to push back on that. I think that character... Push all you with, want. It ain't be, well, Sure, whatever. And you can push all you want on Brendan Fraser, and that may not happen either. But wow. Here, See? You hey, just have to go No, if you're going to shoot across the bow, I'm going to shoot wow. right back, okay? okay? And you know what? You can say all you want about you know Creed not getting an Oscar for Sylvester Stallone. And while I agree with you, that was robbery. Hey... Bridges Spies is an Academy Award-winning film. Fuck all of you. Anyway, you want to go there? I'm going to go right back to you. Here's the thing. 
with the with people rediscovering the the Clone Wars series and Ventress not getting any kind of resolution, that because right now I'm actually like rewatching the series with this reaction channel, the Normies, and they've just finished watching season five, but I can't help but wonder. Are they not aware of the fact that there are two big stories with with Maul? Remember, there was this thing with Maul having a, a confrontation with with, uh, with Sidious involving Mother Talzin. That was a comic book, but it should have been a series. I mean, an, an episodes. And then there was the novel with Doctor Disciple. So I'm just saying, universe, please, fingers crossed, please. You've given me some amazing things over the years. Can, I, can we just get that in return, please? Thank you. It's not going to happen anytime soon, but I just, you know, I'm not going to stop saying about it. But as far as Star Wars, it is quite surprising. The Mandalorian is just like, it also feels deliberately that they're kind of like slowing their roll and they're like stretching out the story, which, yeah, is not going to do them any favors with that show. Um, all, is I'm just, it though? Because from what I heard in the second episode, he already went back to Mandalore mm-hmm. and he saw... Um, I guess that was the big thing. The Malachor is alive. And it's like, people are like, oh my god. And it's like, of course it is. Malachor is a planet. I, I, I'm sorry. Or, I, could, I couldn't like, correct called? you on that. No. The, the, the dragon or whatever creature that, that the, the ancient Mandalorian just to ride on is there. Malachor is a, a planet that are was you in the. sure? I saw people calling it. I don't know. No, it, it starts with an M. Malachor is the planet they go to um, in Twilight of the Apprentice, Star Wars oh, Rebels. Okay, okay. With the weapon. But I guess my point is, it's like, yeah. Did you see, by the way, that the Zillow Beast came back? Uh, yeah. What was that was it in the Bad Batch or <laughs> yeah. something? It was, yeah. It was, no, that. that was actually a cool episode. They had like an alien reference, the whole first part. It was good. But um, that was funny to see. But I guess my thing is like, yeah, I saw the Book of Boba Fett. And of course, they had to have, they ended it with Boba Fett riding a Rancor. No real buildup or it's not really deserved, but they mm-hmm. did it. Because um, if Boba Fett's first appearance in anything Star Wars was in the Star Wars Holiday Special, which featured him writing something, right? Well, I well, it's mostly because the the big thing is Return of the Jedi, you know, Boba Fett, Rancor, la 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 la. Anyway, he's writing the Rancor, and it's like it's supposed to. You could tell this was supposed to be this massive Star Wars moment to them, and it's like no one remembers, no one gives a shit. Yeah, because and it, and it, and maybe people are gonna freak out when they say it this time, but it's like, yeah, sure, I know it's coming. I don't care. Well, don't forget how bad it was when they killed Cad Bane, and how they staked that whole like the relationship whole... based on on unproduced episodes of the Clone Wars. That's what I mean. Like they literally introduce him at the last minute, like the very last episode. I guess you could say like the tail end of the second to last episode. But imagine. You've only seen the Star Wars movies, and then you're watching. Then you watch The Mandalore, and you're like, "Oh, I kind of like this." The Mandalorian, I mean, and then and then you watch Book of Boba Fett, and you're like, "Who the fuck is this guy? Who are these people? Who are these people? What's going on? <laughs> is there any basic storytelling? Like, we had a whole season of of flashbacks to him doing shit with like yeah. the Sand People, and why was it done?" I don't know. What was the point? I don't know. It's the same thing with the Mandalorian. They keep going back again and again. They go back to that one lady on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah. 
I know. I was like, really? We're back here again? Why? Amy Sedaris' character. Yeah, I love Amy Sedaris. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about her in Star Yeah, but why do we keep coming back why to her? Why do we keep coming back to her? Like, she's... People... Like, it, the show is treating her like she's this, like, big thing. Like Phil Coulson or something. Yeah, and it's like... She was a cute little guest spot once. Remember how she was, like, basically, like, the entire... She was there the whole finale of Boba Fett. Like, in the action. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Amy Sedaris the linchpin of Star Wars right now? <laughs> <laughs> Amy Sedaris is a funnier character than we've had before. <laughs> if we can make her work. I... It's so... Yeah. I just don't care. I guess that's the thing that that makes it suck, right? Because it's just, it's just not even interesting in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It's just uninteresting. Like with, I, I haven't seen Ant-Man 3. You don't need to. And I don't care. No, I I just care know that. there's yeah. just nothing. And then you look at Andor and you're like, how did we get that? How did we get that show? I'm so glad that they decided ahead of time, we'll just do two seasons. Yeah. Because I don't think it would have gotten a third. So it's like, thank God, like it's every, they, they got everything already. I was happy that they were filming before yes. uh, it, they were, the first season was even finished, I think airing or something. Um, by the way, not to throw some not so subtle shade out there, but evidently Kyle all of a sudden decided to watch this show like five months too late and like and he, he kept messaging it. us yeah. and I, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but I was like, I ignored it completely. I, oh, I knew you were going to. But you know why? Because I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck no. you for, for taking five months to get to Andor and then ignoring me these past five months when I told you to watch Andor. Yeah. I I know you. <laughs> didn't, I just, I didn't acknowledge its existence. It was like, oh, okay. Sure. I mean, it's great, but it's like, dude, you should have been there with us while we were watching it together. That's when you're supposed ride. to see it. It was yes. a fucking ride seriously plus that's how good shit gets made you gotta watch it when it's coming out <laughs> it sucks yeah. but yeah so yeah it's, it'll be curious to see what what the future holds particularly for these franchises but i think it's just something to note that the fans on both ends of the situation as far as disney as a whole is is uh at all at once falling apart yeah and um I'm excited not because I want things to be bad. Of course, I want everything to be good. Mm-hmm. But when a, a top dog gets dethroned, um, everyone comes out of the woodwork yeah. to try and try and challenge, right? Yeah, and that's where you get interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. That's where you get people really, really going for it. Well, Disney's being challenged in a way they never thought they would in terms of like James Gunn's up and coming DC projects. I think they're going to hit hard. Also, Universal, um, the, the success of Puss in Boots has been just overwhelming. Did you see the trailer for that new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? No, I didn't. Like, but I know it was there. I'm was, not the was biggest. I'm not the biggest. I know the Turtles. I'm not yeah. the biggest Turtles fan. After seeing that trailer, I got so excited. Wow. It looks so good. The animation but, but, is crazy. Mm, I and, need to check it out then. So it got good reception then. Yeah. And, well, and who's it, making that? 
Do you know um, what, this, what animation studio is doing that movie? Produced by Seth Rogen, a Nickelodeon <laughs> movie. Okay, sure. I mean, they make some good film, films sometimes, but you know what, oh, yeah. what, what? The overall point is, between how great Puss in Boots is doing, and then, of course, later on this year, we have Into the Spider-Verse, uh, or Across the Spider-Verse, and then also Super Mario Brothers and different animation studios. Combine that with the failures of Lightyear and Stranger and, and Strange World is like, ooh. Yeah. What's happening? Disney animation is being fucking kicked to the curb from all the other competitors? That's never happened to that extent before. Again, it's it's a 90s flashback. Or no, more 2000s flashback. Yeah, the 2000s for sure. Because they um, ruled in the 90s. Because, yeah, Dream, DreamWorks and, and Blue Sky came in and they really... And even Pixar, right? Yeah. It's, uh, Disney was only kept alive on life support because of Pixar, Pixar. when it came to animation. Um, but no, yeah, that's true. Like, I... I mean, I hate to say it, the Mario movie looks... Amazing. It looks pretty darn good. Like, it looks it, amazing, honestly, looks, yeah. And that kills me, because I hate Illumination. Yeah. But you know what? They really got their ass in gear for this movie, because mm-hmm. the animation looks really good. And you know what? As a lifelong Mario fan, it's very Mario-tastic, very Nintendo. It's coming out next month. Damn. And that's the thing. There's a lot of movies that are coming out, and I'm like, man, I really want to see that. Mm-hmm. And it's and again, it's not the typical Disney stuff, and it's stuff that, as of so far this year, it's starting. They're making money, right? It's the kind of stuff that right. I didn't think would make money anymore. Like, did you see that trailer for that? Um, uh, not Scarlett Johansson. Um, no, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer, oh my God. I loved it. I don't know about you, I but thought it was I love hilarious. I love that trailer, and it's the kind of movie we, we haven't seen in I feel like ten years. You're gonna break it, down right now emotionally. It, well, because it comes actually because there's a little known comedy that was really good back in 2019 that starred Jacob Tremblay uh, called Good Boys. That was oh, such yeah. a good comedy. Nobody I think saw it, but it's the same director doing this one. It looks amazing. And you're so right. Between this and films like Megan and Cocaine Bear and Creed and Scream, and then also I believe even the new Adam Driver's uh, Dinosaur Space movie is making some money. Like, look, films are back, and they're making money in ways that we just didn't think would come back because when variety. We, like, let, let's re, let's rewind back to the last half of 2022. All the awards films, pff, they crapped out. They made nothing. And so now all of a sudden you have these movies that um, are just being sold on the concepts themselves. And so there's just a lot of healthy competition in the way that it just didn't exist in the previous years. And so perhaps now what we're seeing is, um, dare I say, look and look at timing is everything. Timing is everything. At, all at once, while the streaming movie, the, the, the streaming platform, it's just not, the, the money isn't there, and we're seeing it now. Theatricality is coming back. Um, it's, wow. It's it's really kind of turning back the clock, that shit. Right. It's like an um, alignment, yeah, a realignment. It's a lot of things that are kind of hitting at the same time. And, um, yeah, like, I, I laughed my ass off at that trailer. Like... <laughs> At, yeah, at, at the very I loved end, it. I loved it. <laughs> at the very end, when he punched her in the throat, yeah, she's like, "I'm gonna get out of here." But you know what also looks great this year is Barbie. Barbie, that's right, Barbie. And again, like the, the movies we're we're talking about, it's not like they're like these tiny indie art house films, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about fucking Creed three. 
Yeah. Talking and about I don't know if you saw Barbie. it. That's it's great. Creed three is great. I haven't seen it. I I don't um I'm hoping I'm hoping I can make time. The one I want to see is is Shazam two. Oh yeah, I forgot that's even coming out next. That's why. I oh my see god, it really? It's theater. next week. Yeah. Oh. Oh man. Oops, <laughs> I forgot about it. <laughs> but that's why I want to see it in the theater because it's like I really liked the first one. Mm-hmm. I really like the director, and it's like if if you know if I'm here bitching about comic book movies, I should support the ones, the kind of ones I want them to make. Right. Anyway. But yeah. Um. What was the last thing here? Um. Yeah, but when you the Disney issue. So Star Wars and Marvel and their animation is lacking. Pixar is not even on the board because they took it off the board. They've made some great movies, but they took it. They did that to themselves. Yes. Yeah. They did it to themselves. Because they they threw them to streaming. What the fuck? Again, uh, Pixar was their, their, they kept them alive in the 2000s. Mm hmm. And for so whatever reason, during the pandemic, they just fucking threw them to the wind. And then I think the final, the final um, nail in the coffin, I would say, is like there's a there's a big fucking problem here. Let's watch and see how that Little Mermaid movie is received. Because if that doesn't make a billion dollars, well, yeah. yeah. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Before, I would have said, like, it's going to make a billion easy. Easy. Now? Yeah, the other ones have been terrible. But now, it's being surrounded by everything else not being great. Yeah, it's surrounded with this, just this era of, like, we're just kind of tired. It's tired of this kind of stuff. But I don't know. Who knows? People really love The Little Mermaid. People really love The Star. Uh, What's her name? Kelly Bailey. Kelly Bailey. And I'm sure she's great. Um... But yeah, yeah. It, it's it's again. It's that same thing of like. We'll see. I think that I, honestly, I think that'll be a really big test to mm-hmm. see how much things are changing, right? Right. Because I can guarantee you, it's going to be a shit film. Because oh yeah, all of there's these no have doubt been, in that have been have been shit. All these yeah. action ones. Uh, but it, all like you said, all of them make money, like yeah. billion dollar films. So if this one. At least in the eyes of Disney, underperforms. I do think that's a big thing of like, maybe people are kind of tired of this same shtick that that they've kind of kicked off in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. You know, this this nostalgia franchise fever dream. Well, I would just say that um, that day can't come soon enough. <laughs> Honestly. Because these live action remakes have been soul crushing, to to say the least. Yeah. Um, we're gonna go ahead and leave that stuff there. Um, let's just go ahead and transition to the Academy Awards and stuff. And I look, um, this we'll see how this conversation goes because we're on the precipice of some quite stunning um achievement where. A film that, by the way, I believe just hit its one-year anniversary. I think it debuted at South by Southwest about a year ago. Everything, everywhere, all at once. We're on the precipice of that film becoming the most awarded um, film of the modern era. It won't be 
no matter how many Oscars it'll win, it's not going to be the most, I think, um, in history because that record will probably always belong to Return of the King, where it won all 11 of its nominations. And again, that's before the modern era. And what I mean by the modern era is that in 2000, post The, the Dark Knight, they reorganized the way that they um, do their voting and that, that birthed the uh, preferential ballot, you know, where they rank the films based on like how much they like or don't like them. Um, so we're on the precipice of that, of, of, uh, this everything everywhere all at once becoming the most awarded film of the, of the modern era. And I think the, cause you don't get to have particularly with above the line stuff. You have movies like Mad Max and Dune and Whiplash that end up getting maybe five or six Oscars, but they're all tech categories. But in this case, we have, if for you know if everything everywhere does end up getting five or six and they're all like in acting and and writing and directing and picture that would be a record because i think at most you would have like parasite which won four for directing picture writing and i believe also international feature so that's where we're at and there's a lot to say there's also a lot to say about the uh the anonymous oscar (laughs) um ballot interviews which oh my god have they ever been this bad they're always bad. They're always holy, bad, yeah. holy crap! This year, the things that we read. Oh my god! Like it is just really eye-opening. And you know what's really funny? Because they're they're all terrible. They're all saying like wacky, insanely racist, and awful takes on movies. They 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 have this 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 like feeling of do you even like films? And the funniest thing is they're all voting for everything ever all at once. It really shows you that all voters are the same. Yes, because you you'll pull. It's not just like a, like a small number of ones. It's all of them. But I mean, like voters in general, because uh-huh. you look at political voters, and you'll pull them and you'll ask them questions about who they're voting for and why, and it's the most insane, stupid shit you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing here. Like, and it's funny because there's like no rhyme or reason to any of it like in one breath someone will say like i'm tired of the minorities and then in the next they're like i'm voting for angela black bassett because she's a black woman like like these <laughs> these people it's are true. insane yeah. <laughs> they're insane <laughs> and you're like okay like, like at first it used to make me mad and now i'm at the point where i'm like oh like you're crazy people <laughs> <laughs> like, like you don't, I think John you don't Roca, have thoughts. Yeah, John Roca tweeted, I think just today, that the the system is broken. Yeah, they need to be replaced. I I honestly, oof, like, if I could snap my fingers and be in charge of the academy, I would revoke like everyone's voting. I you have to just fire everybody and start over. If anything, I would say, mm, mm, well, this might be difficult. I'd like, well, maybe you can only vote for like your category right mm-hmm. so like if you win for costumes only you can vote for costumes <clears throat> but then you know th- that question which like, you'd think that's how it would already be like but that's not I how it is that, they yeah. they can only let's say if you're in the costume guild you can vote to they're the only people that get to decide who gets nominated which why th- that explains to why it may be a little bit gatekeepy with like what films that's, miss out in certain ways I mean, right and i thought like mm, but then it gets real gatekeepy because right. it, and it becomes a, a very much a popularity contest among this this. But it already kind of is in another aspect because then the true. whole academy at large gets to decide, gets to vote on all the categories on, yeah. on on the winners. 
Yeah. So Maybe it's like, there what's should the right... just be an Academy board. And they, they pick who wins and who doesn't? It's yeah, like well, a, a group of like a hundred people. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's tough, right? I mean, regular democracy hasn't figured this shit out. So, <laughs> how will we expect like freaking um, the Oscars to to be any better? But like, yeah. I mean, seriously, the, the things that I read this um, this week, um, you know what? And, and there are a lot of people that are calling for the the trades to not run these articles no keep running them keep showing everybody how vapid these people are in my view i think it also look i think it reveals why it was that parasite won why coda won and why everything everywhere is going to win yeah it's not the movies it's not the quality of the films it's because they're the it girls they're the popular cast that everybody wants oh it's the story it's like it's the moment it's like they're they're the popular kids and everybody wants to go at their table and eat at their table and like and sign autographs and everything that's why they're winning again it's that same bullshit of like who do i want to have a beer with that's who i'm voting for as president and it's like shoot yourself in the face like i (laughs) i just hate it um and it's the same thing here yeah and it kind of like with the system being that it is the idea that films like everything everywhere and parasite would every now and then get to because legitimately speaking i think they're the best films of their of their given years and it just it was a happy accident that they ended up winning that's Best Picture, thing, I think. Right? And I know I'm talking about it as if it's already won. I think it, it will win, but we'll see, right? Like, disaster could happen. And let's say they give it to All Quiet on the Western Front, which would, oh my God, I don't think it's going to happen at this point. Because it's, it's everything, everywhere, all at once. IGN did a calculation. It is the most awarded movie of all time across all of the guilds, all of the, the precursors, all of the, the critics' groups. The most awarded film of all time, overtaking The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and the Oscars haven't even happened yet. And you know what? I think if it loses, I think the only way you could label that is the largest upset in history. <laughs> yeah. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. But part, I would also argue part of the, the the reason for why the film has been surging is the lack of an alternative competitor. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, the, I, not, I think not, there's good movies, but they, right. they, they, they've all eaten each other, I mm-hmm. think. And, and good is kind of relative at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, films that they would like and, and that normally would be like winning and stopping over everybody yes. else. And the thing is not – it's been too fragmented. You've had films like Fablemans and Banshees and All Quiet win and other, other places. I think the real weakness of everything everywhere that has been exposed has been – all the European voters, BAFTA and Golden Globe, they gave Best Picture to Fablemans and Banshees and All Quiet. Stateside, it's all been everything everywhere. So, but keep in mind at the Academy, there is a there is a European contingent. And if enough of them voted, place that as number 10, there is an off chance it can still lose. I'm not saying it's a great chance, but there's still a chance. I knew I hated the British. Um... Right? Right? I I I really I was so Marga. disgusted by what the what the, the Baptists were very funny. They <laughs> just gave all the Europeans awards, and the, yeah. that was it. That was very funny. Yeah, and I personally was like, 
maybe we should just like cancel the BAFTAs. <laughs> After, like, uh, okay. them. <laughs> yeah, and for petty reasons because like they 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 blanked Spielberg. Like the only like his movie didn't get that was the only organization this whole award season that pretty much just like didn't acknowledge that film's existence. I mean, when they gave All Quiet the like the, when it took home the big award. Best picture, yeah. It's like it won seven awards that night. Yeah, seven it's awards. Very obvious what's going on. Yeah, and then Banshees ended up winning uh, over Kiwi Kwan. And look, I'm happy Barry got an award, but like yeah. that's not going to repeat, and it hasn't repeated anywhere else. Yeah. So it's like it's just so obvious. Yeah. It's so obvious, but like, but we're at a point where look, you'd think that films like Fablemans or even Banshees or or Top Gun, maybe even a contingent of Tar, and then it all quiet. You'd think at some point one would have come up to challenge everything everywhere, and one hasn't. I argue if Elvis wasn't directed by Boz Lerman, it might have. <laughs> oh my god. I think the Boz Lerman of it all is what held it back for these people. You and I are of the mind that given a few more days, Bohemian Rhapsody might have won Best Picture over yeah. uh, Green Book a few years back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a very disgusting sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. But um, in a way... If it really does come down to everything everywhere versus all quiet, you can think of it as a replay of 2019 where it was Parasite v. Uh, 1917. That's true. Um, I don't, oh man. Well, this is the thing. Even if the English all go for like all quiet, mm-hmm. not all of them are. No. Right, because uh, even if every single one of them went for all quiet, I don't know if that's <clears> enough <throat> to to win it. And not all of them are, so it's like uh, it's it's how how much of these people want to be a hater towards uh, everything, everything everywhere. It's how high is the hate? I, th- mm-hmm. I think uh, because not only do you have to be loved, but you have to not be hated. I think what's surprising is, um. I've always felt it was going to be everything everywhere and I wasn't entirely confident, but I thought it would because it just feels like a best picture winner. It's my idea of a best picture winner, but I didn't see any alternative and it kind of has like played out that way. But still, it's just still shocking to say because it's everything about that movie just screams anti-Oscar and anti-Oscar voter. And the only thing I can rationalize in my head as to why it's been so successful is because they love the cast and they're, you know, this whole Oscar season is a popularity contest and they want to take pictures with them and they get invested in the speeches and the story. That's the only thing I can rationalize why it's been such a runaway freight train. But like, think about this. Everything Everywhere All at Once is the first film since Birdman to sweep PGA, SAG, and DGA. But I do think that and this is where movie reviewers and stuff come in. The movie got a huge amount of love. Mm-hmm. Right? The and critics. The critics. And then that causes... And the pundits, too. The critics and the pundits adore the film, yeah. which causes the rest of Hollywood to pay attention. That drives the conversation. And I yes. feel ultimately... We all, a lot of them were thinking Fablemans because of the kind of movie that it was and because of who made it. That wasn't going to be the main competitor. The problem was that film didn't resonate with the pundits or with the critics in a way that we th- that they thought they would be. And I think personally, 
I'm choosing to view it as it's less about the movie and it's more about the director. I'm beginning to feel like uh, his his shtick doesn't vibe anymore with these people. Or maybe Hollywood doesn't want a story about how divorce hurts their children. That could be true. That could very well be true. And I think a lot of people were just underwhelmed by the film and him in general. And I mean, in these Oscar, anonymous Oscar ballots, I mean, there were two individual voters that said, one, the reason why they didn't vote for uh, Spielberg in anything or his movie was because it was too sentimental, that literally verbatim. And then the other one said it was too schmaltzy. That was the reason. And I don't think that's an isolated incident. I think that's kind of what speaks to it. And um, speaking to some of the other things, I, I, I don't want to harp on Fableman's too much, but I thought it particularly offensive, the things uh, that were being said about the movie. Because there was this one quote from what, I'm going to read between the lines here, uh, a member that's of color. I'm just going to say that because of how they were, you know, uh, reading off uh, everything else. But I, I, I thought this just especially unsympathetic and kind of gross you know which is what uh this person said is um my favorite thing i heard well no she's or she is saying like what she heard from i went to a screening of the fablemans at the dga and i was sitting there with women of color director friends that's how she labeled them and after it ended i was like can you imagine if you made a movie about your your life trauma if your biggest trauma of your life was your parents got divorced and your dad's reaction was to buy you a camera we had to beg, borrow, and steal to get a camera to make a movie. And this bitch just got handed a, an editing system. <laughs> would I have would I have been Spielberg if somebody handed me that? The woman behind me stood up and said, only Steven Spielberg could look at Michelle Williams and say that's a Jewish woman. The Fablemans was a beautiful science fiction film about straight white male privilege. I understand people of color being resentful of this entire industry and this award season, if not because they're right. They continuously are like excluded year in and year out. And one other comment was, was which was particularly disgusting, you know, slamming Viola Davis and the Woman King in the same breath as admitting he didn't watch it. <laughs> so that's true. They're, they're, they're right. But in this yeah. context, I just feel like, wait a minute. That's a bit mean to say that Spielberg's trauma is invalid and like, but that's I, I can't be unsympathetic toward that. But that's where I mean where um, it's like, oh, they're crazy people, right? Because they will say the most offensive thing you've ever heard in the same breath of like trying to talk about privilege. Right? Yeah. It's like an alien trying to understand progressivism. But they feel very strongly about things that they you can tell they haven't given two minutes to actually think about brandon um, strusing uh said it, i think what you're saying right here that that retweet he retweeted that quote and i think he's saying what you said the, this mirrors the conversation i've seen on here from normally progressive people about this movie and it's always felt gross strikes me as pretty insane that we can just decide somebody's trauma is not only invalid but that they're incapable of processing it correctly yeah and it, it's so weird because it's like we've all admitted that and I mean, you don't even have to admit it. There's literally been studies done like, yeah, living in a household where a parent's marriage falls apart and there's divorce can be traumatic, right? Mm -hmm. And it can add lasting stuff, right? So then when someone does a story about it, it's like, oh, you think you're 
upbringing was traumatic i mean i thought that's what <laughs> you believed as well <laughs> like i don't know it's so weird it's like I, if someone I, yeah. made a movie about being gay and having tough coming out of the mm-hmm. closet and it's like oh oh but you were rich and it's like yeah sure it can still just, be traumatic yeah <laughs> like i don't know what to tell you i just feel like all of this is like more evidence to me that they they're people just continue to have weird issues with steven spielberg that they throw all this at him like remember grace's take on the fablemans saying like you know steven spielberg like hey um you also got divorced, so how are you here preaching to us about divorced parents? And I just thought, like, that was just so strange to me, saying that because he got divorced, he has, like, no authority on on this story, which was just, what? I don't get that, personally. It's, it, yeah. I, but you know what? There, It wasn't the only issue that was brought up in these ballots. Like, one of the things I, like, they come at it from such a snobbish approach. Like one person was saying avatar shouldn't have been in, in the category of production design because it was animation. Um, another one saying that they don't like animated movies. Some people were saying like, is glass onion really an Oscar movie? I'm sorry. Is Coda an Oscar movie? Go sit the fuck down throwing that kind of you know, those assertions out there. Like what is and what isn't an Oscar movie? But that's what I mean. Like, it's hard to take these people seriously with anything they say. Like the ones that women talking, God damn, it should have been a play. I couldn't get into it. It felt like homework. Um, also a lot of, I think you really called it Peter. When we reviewed tar, man, a lot of them hated tar. I, I told you th- they're going to love the performance, but they're going to be checked out. Like, yeah, after the first, five minutes five ten minutes it's but as usual yeah no go ahead no no that's it but as usual like what are the films that um these kind of voters that are saying they didn't like tar they didn't like everything everywhere what are the films that they did like alvis all quiet on the western front top gun so are we underestimating those movies could it could it be one of those three that ends up upsetting even if it hasn't it won could. anything else, it hasn't showed up anywhere. It hasn't really won anything. You think I know, but it's happened before. That's true. Where there's yeah. just like, there's no... Crash, I believe. Yeah, there's like no lead up wins for it. And then it just pops up and, 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 and takes a win at the Oscars. It happens. I would much, if anything was going to win over everything everywhere, I would much prefer Top Gun over All Quiet. Yeah, All Quiet, it's not a terrible film. But it's just I, I couldn't fine. get into it. I couldn't get into it. I was just like, you know, I can see why this would work on people. But like, I think for me personally, I'm just done well, with war films. It's it's a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. You like the book and the uh, original 1930s film, I think is I like it a lot better. Um. But I need to see that one. I haven't seen the original one yet. As far as a remake, it, it, I just kept thinking of, because that film is all about the horrors of war. Mm-hmm. And no film, speaking of Spielberg, since Saving Private Ryan yeah. has really made me feel that. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, like that, that, that true ugliness of war. 
has any movie ever topped that movie as far as far in as a war film way? is concerned? No, I don't think so. Not not for me. Yeah. And 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 yes, cuz I saw this movie and it's like, yeah, that's sad. <laughs> but it on the whole it feels a little bit too overproduced. Been there, too, done that also. Yeah, and it's like you're offering nothing new to the table here. Mm-hmm. We've already seen this. Yeah. And it's good, but like eh, I'm not going to think about it all that much. So like I, I I don't know what else could do it. I'm gonna say with best picture, it's gonna be everything everywhere all at once. Um, can I ask you though? Speaking of Spielberg, what happened to him? Because I I've seen some articles. I, I think Universal kind of dropped the ball. I think all of a sudden these last two weeks they've been like doing more to promote the movie and him. Um, uh, NBC particularly because it's Universal. They've been doing interviews on on uh, late night television, also on nightly news. They did a little production here and there uh, with him and John Williams about the legacy of him, and then also his movie. It seems like a little bit, little bit, you know, too late for it. But here's the thing: he's won Best Director in the past. He's he'll be fine. Like you know, he's won it for Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. Those are great wins. He should have won, obviously, for those films. They're amazing. Um, and I don't want to get into this, into this discussion of Fablemans being as good as those movies. That's, I think, kind of irrelevant. It's rather like, how much do they like him or not? And he's been nominated, you know, here and there. He, I think 10 of his movies have been nominated for Best Picture. Um, that's a lot. I think it's kind of a, I think, a tying record here and there. What is it about him that just turns people off because... If this was anybody else that had the same reputation and with the quality of I'm going to make the argument that if if another director had made a Fablemans but it was an even lesser film but if the, if the narrative was oh it's their time they would be steamrolling over this whole season as Probably. far as directing is concerned so like why is it that okay well we can give Jane Campion an Oscar even though her film was whatever Okay, and maybe, yeah, she's overdue, whatever. But why is it that every time it's Steven's turn, it's like, well... Because look at it on paper. It's a film about his life. He's a legendary director. The timing is right. This is an era where people are getting their third Oscars. You know, Frances McDormand got a third Oscar. Um, Maybe Cate Blanchett. Well, who knows? So what is it about him that he's just not... He should be, on paper, steamrolling. And I mean, he honestly, I think it's an oversaturation of of him as well. You think so? I within the last ten years, he's put out so many of like the same kinds of films. Everything okay. from like the nineteen period piece, nineteen sixties, serious, but uh, you know, uplifting dramas. I think it's a saturation thing. Uh, I don't know if I buy that. I, I think that that plays a role in it somewhere somehow, but I'm just going to, from what I'm sensing, I just don't think they like him as much. I think they respect him. I think they like him to an extent, but I don't think they like him that much to where they're going to actually give him an Oscar this time around. Yeah, they're which is cra- Which is crazy because like if it wasn't anybody else, they would be getting it. So... That's where it is. Um, but it seems very likely the Daniels are going to... Uh, I'll just say right here, instead of like, wait, let's just save some time. I don't know. Let's say if you disagree. I'm predicting right now 
the, the wins tomorrow for everything ever all at once. It's going to be best picture, best director, best screenplay, best editing, and best supporting actor. I think it has those five locked. Do you disagree? No, I, I do think it has those. Okay, the one that's up in the air where it could get a 6-1, but I'm hoping to God it is, Michelle Yeoh. I think the momentum is with her. At this point, yeah. I, I think people... About, a, again, a voting was done about a month ago. Maybe not. I, I wouldn't have felt too hot. Now I no. think it is It is behind her. It's. I think it's still... You know, up in the air because where yeah. else is Tar gonna win if not yeah. for Kate Blanchett? That's the other issue. But then again, we'll see how much Tar is liked. I, I'm I'm thinking, I feel that the surge and the and the wind at the back of Michelle Yeoh's sales is very similar to how Parasite and Coda's was. The love for Michelle Yeoh is just so overwhelming. Even though she hasn't won everywhere, she's won it enough, and it's at the right timing. The timing is great as well. You know, she got that sag, I think, right as Oscar voting was beginning. So I'm thinking that's going to be hers as well. So that would mean that the movie will win six. Do you think it could win anywhere else besides those? Like, there's also costumes, there's score, there's song. Nah, I don't think song. Not any of those. Okay. So we'll say we'll cap it off at six. Six Academy Awards. Which, again, would make it the most awarded movie of this modern era. That's amazing. As far as I'm concerned, as long as it gets best picture, well, and best best actress, then mm-hmm. I'm happy. You know, those two are my go-to. Even right. director, I don't kind of give a shit about as much. Right. Because personally, I mean, I know I would love Spielberg to win directing, and I would love Martin to win screenplay for the Banshees of Anna Sharon. That film should also get some things, um, in consideration. Um, now the acting stuff. This is where we get into some interesting territory. The two ones that seemingly are most up in the air, supporting actress and best actor. In supporting actress, it's a three-way race between Carrie Condon from Banshees, Angela Bassett from Black Panther, and Jamie Lee Curtis from Everything Everywhere All at Once. And in an actor, it is a two-way race between Brendan Fraser from The Whale and uh, Austin Butler from Elvis. What say you? Because I... I'm not certain about those two i feel like it's gonna go to butler if i had to put money on it it would be him because it's just the easy choice it's just exactly the performance that they love if they were gonna give one like for rami malik why not austin if, Butler? if there's one thing i do hate about the oscars it's the insane bias they have towards playing a historical figure yeah like it's ridiculous the level of bias that exists for that and i really don't like it um but i mean again it's the oscar choice yeah it is so it seems and also and i think what also lends credence to what you're saying Elvis got eight nominations, including Best Picture. The Whale got like two, three, yeah. and it didn't get Best Picture. That means they love Elvis, and the big win for Elvis is going to be here. 
And it's it could sad. have been a perfect night. Yeah, it could have been. What about supporting actress? I'm thinking, I, I think they're going to give it to Angela. I think it's going to Angela. Especially after reading those, those uh, what do you ballots. call it? Ballots. I think a lot of them are just like, yeah, we'll give it to Angela. It, it really does come off like that's the thought process. and that's It's her it. time. She's like, it's her time yeah. to do so. In a way where it's like, we're much more motivated because of that narrative, not because we feel like she deserves it. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what we're, we're, we're thinking of. Is there an off chance, though, that could go to Jamie Lee? There is an off chance. And again, I think that just comes from a lot of people really loving Jamie Lee in Hollywood. Yeah. If she wins... That would be ugly. If that'll be the seventh win for yeah. Everything Everywhere. And think of it this way. If somehow she wins, that would mean that three of the four acting categories would go to one movie. There is a world where all four would go to one movie. Right. I think anyway. But yeah. But although there's no um, nominee in this That's what I mean. Another world. In the multiverse, basically. Yeah. Um, The one that's a question is adapted screenplay. That one is weird because it has Glass Onion. That's not going to win. They'll nominate Ryan Johnson, but they won't, I think, uh, vote for him to win. I heard people were thinking it's going to be between All Quiet on the Western Front, when that could be its big award. It could also be uh, Top Gun Maverick, which is nominated for, and that could be Top Gun Maverick's big award of the night, adapted screenplay. Or it could go to the Consolation Prize, which would be Women Talking. A lot of people feel like that woman, that that movie has been so like done dirty that that's the one place it could win, or to award Sarah Pauly in particular. So I could see it going there, but I. I suspect that film is much too weak to win. I'm thinking it's going to go to other, um, either All Quiet on the Western Front or Top Gun Maverick. And I'm going to say that if Top Gun Maverick manages to win adapted screenplay, there's going to be a lot of people in real time like saying, oh my God, did Top Gun Maverick win Best Picture? <laughs> if it pulls that off. Yeah. It'll be people like start to get antsy halfway through. But if somehow women talking... Or as Mark Wahlberg says, women are talking. If that if that movie ends up winning, I think it's a done deal that neither All Quiet or Maverick are going to win anything as far as um, Best Picture is concerned. Visual effects, easy. Avatar. There's no question about it. Any thoughts? No. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what about cinematography? Because the frontrunner was snubbed. Top Gun Maverick was winning the cinematography awards. Um, and it's not in this category. It's Elvis, Tar, Empire of Light, Bardo, and All Quiet. Honestly, I have no idea. It feels like one of those categories, you know how like when they really love a movie, mm-hmm. like uh, like Fury Road or something, and they just throw it a lot of fucking awards. It's, it mm-hmm. feels like it's going to be one of those. Are you of the mind that that movie this year will be All Quiet? No. You don't think it'll be the tech winner of the night? Tech winner? No. So who would who would it be? If anything, uh, uh, da, 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 uh the Tom Cruise movie, Top Gun. You think? I think there's a chance Top Gun gets nothing. Really? Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, it saved Hollywood and shit. There's some love there for it. I don't know. It, but it, I agree, and it's there. But it it's just not it's not materializing. It's not as materializing in wins. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Top Gun did get a lot of the the sound 
uh, precursor awards, and that's why it's either going to be that one or All Quiet and Best Sound. But a lot of people are operating under the assumption that it did so well at BAFTAs, that's going to have some spillover at the Oscars. All Quiet could be a movie where they just could check off the boxes and it wins categories like cinematography, like sound, um, maybe even screenplay, which I would say is catastrophic. I also wouldn't count out Elvis. I think if, it, if it's going to win actor, it's going to win oh, one other thing. You know what? Maybe I'm, I think Elvis could be that one where they, they like, so they give him a lot of other awards. Because Elvis is also in contention for costume and production design. And that's also an interesting category because I've seen some people say that Babylon is the front runner for winning that Oscar for production design. And I'm kind of dubious about that. I'm not sure how well liked that movie is in the Academy. It got like, what, two nominations, two nominations? Um... In in that category of production design, you have movies like you have Babylon, you have Elvis, The Fablemans, Avatar, and All Quiet. I suppose there's an off chance that that's the only win Fablemans can get, but I'm not counting on that. I would say Elvis, maybe All Quiet, and then either Babylon if it gets lucky. But if we're going off like Best Picture nominees and movies that they like, it's going to be Elvis or All Quiet, I would assume. Makeup, there's All Quiet, The Batman, Black Panther, Elvis, and The Whale. Again, Elvis, right? Either Elvis or The Whale here for makeup. Um, It should really go to The Whale. <laughs> but The Batman had some good stuff, too. Oh, I know. It's yeah. deserving here, but who would likely win? It will it be Batman. It should be The Whale. If it doesn't win here, that might be all she wrote early on. Yeah, that I can see the whale just go home with nothing. It doesn't have very much at stake, really. It has like three nominations. That's so what I mean. Yeah. yeah, very easily. Um, animated, that's Guillermo del Toro. International film is uh, going to be, well, it should be RRR, but it's not even in here. It's going to be all quiet because that's the easy one. Um, documentary feature is going to be Navalny. It's been winning all of those. Um, I'm just like ramming through these uh, animated short film is going to go down I believe between three the boy the mole the fox and the horse or it'll go to because they always go for titles my year of dicks or and that's a real movie by the way or an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it they don't watch these movies they'll just go all they, based off they, a title yeah they're five so it's 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 it, I think it'll it'll go through all those um this one is an open one. Original score. In theory, Babylon should take it. But again, how much do they like Babylon? Um, the other nominees, Banshees, that probably won't be it. It would be amazing if everything, everything were all at once would win that one, but I don't think it's that strong. All Quiet, again, if it's the tech winner of the night, All Quiet could just steamroll here. Then there's John Williams, but then again, they're not really crazy about him these days, so I don't see that happening. So there's original score. I think Babylon, though, has a good chance of taking this one. If nothing else, even though like Justin Herbert's already has that many Oscars, but there's that sound we already mentioned. Costumes. People seem to be under the impression that could be Black Panther's one uh, award. If Black Panther ends up winning, though, uh, the costumes, then I could see 
that being all she wrote for Angela winning for Black Panther and Supporting Actress. So again, why do I say that? Because, you know, a lot of these movies, they get, they correlate with one other award. It's, it's rare for, I think, for them to get just one. Uh, maybe Elvis wins for costumes too. I would think that's an, there's an off chance there may be Babylon. Who knows? Um, but that's where we're at. If there's one big upset, Peter, what's the big upset you're, you're, you're seeing that you haven't already mentioned? Um, well, that's the thing for me, <laughs> best actor is an upset. Right. Um, but beyond that, I think you can get a crazy upset and, and best picture. Like I said, if, if at this point, if everything everywhere doesn't win, that's the greatest upset of all time. I think Oscar history, uh, further than that i think you can get an up depending on who wins Mm -hmm. i think it would be an upset as far as best actress um and then all well specifically with best supporting actress uh best animated i don't think anything would really be an upset i guess technically pinocchio would be an upset because it cleared everything else uh but pinocchio oh yeah if if it lost you mean yeah if it lost if it lost yeah but I love Puss in Boots. Like, I wouldn't care. Um, but other, I don't see anything. Oh, Kihi, Kihi Kwan. If he lost, that would be, a, I think, a massive upset. But other than oh that. Oh, my God. That would hurt. That would hurt bad. And hey, it's happened before. Stallone. Shut your stupid mouth. You know what would, uh, what would be hilarious? Is if history repeated itself. And the front runner and supporting actor lost to the Spielberg nominee. What if Judd Hirsch pulls one out of his oh, ass, eighty-seven-year-old, and it wins supporting actors after? At that point, I would be with the rest of Hollywood to end Spielberg's career, <laughs> to boycott Spielberg, yeah, ban him from the. You imagine that happens, like, because <laughs> you know Spielberg's films usually win one acting award. Ban him like uh, <laughs> Will Smith, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, and West Side Story won an acting Academy Award. Let's not think about it. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I mean. <laughs> oh, Andrea Riseborough. Oh, my God. Honestly, I would be for it. Because that would be so? really funny. Like, would people clap? What would mm-hmm. I be? <laughs> and I guess what sucks is that she gave a great performance. <laughs> She's a great actress. And... I think the whole Academy system is fucked anyway. I don't know how what she did was any more fucked than what everyone else does. So, um, but other than that, oh, for me, it would be an upset if uh, best, uh, not soundtrack score, if if Babylon lost that, I think I would be pissed. Yeah, because I mean they're literally using Voodoo Mama to uh, sell t- for the Oscar uh, commercials right now. That's true. Come on, you can't do that and then not have it win. Okay, how bad are they gonna mess up Natu Natu's performance? Oh, that's gonna be embarrassing. That's gonna be bad. Okay, how bad is Jimmy Kimmel gonna be? Very bad. He's gonna have some cheesy shit. He's it's gonna be bad. And also, what disaster is going to happen? Because always something happens that derails it. Oof. Because last year it was Will Smith. I know. Will Those Smith. Very hard. Because no Chadwick Boseman. No one could have predicted that uh, 
Yeah, the uh, slap. That slap. <laughs> so this year, man, I don't know. Something will happen, though. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and leave it there. Thank you all for listening. Um, catch the Oscars, and then we'll do a show recapping what happens. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.